Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello there, boys and girls, and welcome to another episode of Circling the Bases, probably a part of NBC Sports Edge, powered by Roto World. I am your host, Colin Henderson. Joining me today, as always, Mr. Christopher Crawford. Chris, there is simply no time for small talk today because the opening day is here. Baseball is back, boys and girls, and with real baseball finally back, Chris and I are going to be getting you prepped for the season. A classic two-parter here on the pod as we will cover the American League today in the National League tomorrow. We'll be giving our division picks, award predictions, fantasy players to watch and to avoid, and of course, our 100% foolproof World Series predictions. We've never been wrong before, and we don't plan on it now. So make sure you give a listen both on uh, to both of these episodes as well as all of our positional previews before you squeeze in those future bets or final fantasy drafts. And speaking of fantasy drafts, I know you got a few more drafts coming up before opening day. I certainly do, and nothing helps you school your league more than our award-winning NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide as you prepare for the upcoming season. It is available now both in magazine form and digitally, and we're giving our listeners a special offer. Get 22% off our draft guide and an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use the promo code BASES22. We get you ready for your fantasy draft with expert insight and tools at one low price, so go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus and use promo code BASES22 at checkout to save big this season. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Chris, are you all done with your drafts? I am all done with my drafts. I am You're super done? excited. You are. So I will say we are do have one draft that involves a lot of uh, Roto World slash NBC Sports Edge people that has like three rounds left. But in my mind, it's done because I've hit auto draft and whatever they give me is fine because I'm just ready for it to be done. I I know you hit auto draft. The draft is over. Yeah, there you go. I know everybody loves these long drafts. I hate them. I hate them so much because you wait so long and you can change your mind so much about who you're going to pick and stuff like that. Just set a time, have everybody come into a room, 
Put a one-minute timer on the draft. If they can't make it, it's their own dang fault. Chris it. has got stuff to do, places to I be, do. people to see, all right? He's not going to sit here That's for a three-day slow draft. <laughs> I have it. nothing to do. He refuses on principle. <laughs> I, I have nothing to do. I'm just that impatient. He is a man of principle, and I respect You don't him. get a body like this without being impulsive, man. That's it. That's exactly <laughs> it. This is dedication, boys and girls. Yeah, Dedication. Exactly. Exactly. A quick scheduling note here at Circle and Bases, as we have expanded our coverage to five days a week now that the season has started. A different flavor for each day of the week means there's always a new reason to tune back into the pod to keep up to date on everything across the fantasy baseball landscape. We'll be having a show every Monday through Friday, and we will be doing three live shows a week on Tuesday with Chris and I, Wednesday with Chris, and Thursdays with DJ and Drew. So be sure to tune in live at 8.30 Eastern on our Twitch channels. And if you want to join the conversation, it's live. So make sure you are using those little fingies and typing in whatever comes to mind. We'd love to involve all of our listeners in our shows to a certain extent. We still got to get stuff done. But we will try and do our best to make sure we cover everyone's comments as they write it in. Chris, we are covering the American League today. Like I said, tomorrow is the National League. Um, Honestly, we got a whole league in front of us. Where would you like to start, sir? We always start with the AL East, and we're not going to do that. We're not going to start with the AL West either. Let's start with the AL Central. That just sounds right, like some fun. It. Yeah, let's do it. I like it. I like keeping people uh, a little on their toes here. The Alphabetical order. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And yeah. wait, look, whatever reason you need to justify picking the Central first, I'm for it. Yeah. Um, let's go. Or let's let's start with the Central, and let's start with the White Sox here. As we're, as we're going to kind of go through each division, kind of talk about each team a little bit, Give uh, give our predictions. Give um, some fantasy players to watch and to avoid. Let's start with the White Sox here. Ninety three and sixty nine last year. Lost to Houston in the ALDS. These are your American League Central reigning champs, and they've had a, quite an off season. They traded for AJ Pollock as they moved Craig Kimbrell to the Dodgers just recently. They signed Josh Harrison, Vince Velasquez, Kendall Graveman, and Joe Kelly via free agency. They also said goodbye to Carlos Rodon to San Francisco as a free agent. So a little bit of upheaval for the for the White Sox, but a team that looked ready to go last year and looks well, it looks like it could be a juggernaut this year. Absolutely love the way that this team is currently being set up. That being said, they are going to start the season with a couple players on the IL, namely Yermin Mercedes, Lance Lynn, Joe Kelly, and Garrett Crochet. So, Chris, uh, talk to me about the White Sox a little bit here. I mean, we came into last year – pretty much uniformly picking them to win the Central, both because they're a good team and also because the American League Central is, what's the word I'm thinking of? Bad. Bad, I think (laughs) is the word I'm thinking of. So, and and honestly, while the Twins have made, we're going to talk about the Twins, we're going to talk about the Tigers, both of them have made some very interesting moves this offseason. The White Sox still remain the class of this division until further notice. Uh, Where do you feel, uh, like, what is your biggest viewpoint coming into the season when it comes to the White Sox, especially with them having not just playoff aspirations anymore, but true championship aspirations. Yeah. I mean, if you take a look like at the AL East, I think there are three to four teams that can win that division. If you look at the AL West, there are two to three, maybe four. If one team that we'll talk about really puts everything together, has a chance to win that division. There is one team that has a chance to win the AL central. Now, weirder things have happened. Maybe the twins or tigers just put everything together, but on paper, this is the the most the clearest favorite I think of any division in baseball. With the, all due respect to the Dodgers and the NL West, 
there's just a lot to like here. I will say that Lance Lynn injury is a big one. Like that was a guy, he's, he was like the one guy you can kind of count on going seven, six or seven innings nowadays. There just yep. aren't a whole heck of a lot of those pitchers right now. But it's still an absolutely loaded lineup. Uh, a little spoiler alert, my MVP might come from this division. The It's kind of weird because they are clearly, this is the one division that has the most prohibitive favorite. But this also might be the funnest division in baseball right now, with the exception of one team who is just not spending any gosh dang money. There are, there's a lot to like about like watching this division. The Tigers, I think, are going to be a ton of fun. The Royals became a heck of a lot of fun when they decided to not manipulate the service time of Bobby Wood Jr., even though they kind of did it at the end of last year, but I digress. I think this division has a lot of fun teams to watch. It's just the White Sox are so balanced with their lineup, and even without Lynn, still I think have the clear best rotation and easily the best bullpit even after losing Craig Kimbrell. It's very hard for me to say them not winning 90 to 93 games, give or take, and winning this division by about 10 or 12 games too. It's just that they're so much better on paper than everybody else in the division. White Sox minus 200 to win the division currently on points bet. Right behind them is the Minnesota Twins at plus 500. And they had a very interesting offseason. Really them and the <laughs> Tigers, two of my favorite teams when it comes to the offseason. Um, the Twins, obviously, um, making big moves in the sense of, one, re-signing Byron Bucks into a contract extension, which is huge. I know sometimes we forget about re-signings yeah. when we come into offseason play. But you know what? For the Twins, getting Bucks in at the price that they did is perfect for both sides. They also signed Carlos Correa via free agency. Talk about coming from right field. And granted, yeah. it might only be for a year or two, but right. come out of right field, go for you, Twins. Way, way to do it. Yeah. Um, they also signed Dylan Bundy and Chris Archer via free agency to kind of round out that rotation. Mm-hmm. They traded for Sonny Gray from Cincinnati. Love and then deal. traded for Gio Urshela and Gary Sanchez from the Yankees. Um, in the process of that Yankees trade, they traded away Josh Donaldson, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, and Ben Reutvelt. Uh, They also lost Mike Pineda to Detroit, lost Alex Colome to Colorado, and Andrelton Simmons to the Cubs. The Twins, I think, are one of the more interesting teams coming into the season just because there's such a variety of outcomes that could play. Yes. This is 100%. a wide-open division, which means that when you play the – you know, Detroit's on the up, but they're still Detroit. They still got to prove it. But outside of that, Kansas City is not a good team. Um, obviously, we're talking about the Guardians who are trying their very best to to skate by on no gas. Like, yes. you know, I kind of – when I look at the Guardians, I kind of think of it like back when I first got my license and I didn't want to buy gas and I would just kind of like, <laughs> how far can yes. I get this to get home? Like technically I got home, but yeah. boy, did I – really by the skin of my teeth, but the twins here, look, could they push the white Sox in a, in a theoretical world? Absolutely. They could push them there. If, if everything happens to land right for them. Right. But I also see the twins here. Buxton gets injured. Correa takes a step back, you know, all of these things play and they're like third or fourth in this division. Absolutely. But I think the twins have a legitimate shot this year. And I particularly love the fact that Carlos Correa is there. And the fact that they were able to be aggressive in the moves to get, um, to make that move with the Yankees to get Carlos Correa and then also trade with Sonny, uh, with Cincinnati for Sonny Gray. I think both right. huge moves that have gone, or especially the Sonny Gray move, that I think has gone a little under the radar. Yeah, I think this is a team that had such an outstanding offseason. Like, mm-hmm. got a lot better without, like, destroying their farm system. They still have 
all of their best prospects with all due respect to Chase Petty, who is a volatile prospect. But I think he hit the nail on the head that there's just a ton of volatility. I can see so many outcomes for the Twins. And I think that's kind of reflected in their their over-under right now is 81.5. I think that kind of just speaks to the fact that yep. like it wouldn't shock anybody if this team won 87, 88 games. Wouldn't be a big surprise if they went 72 and 90. A lot of it is going to depend on their rotation. Um, talk about a guy that is starting opening day for them in a sec who I just absolutely love. But that rotation has talent, and that lineup has talent too. It's just like you need pretty much everything to go right, and you're going to need the White Sox to continue to have injuries in order to compete for that top division spot. Yeah, I, I think injuries are going to be a player in this spot. Like if if someone's going to go up and usurp the White Sox, who again yeah. have a young, exciting team – Luis Robert looks like he could be ready to blow up this year. I mean, Eloy Jimenez, people are not talking about him nearly enough for what no. how good he can be. I think his sure. ADP right now is somewhere in the 80s. Like yeah. this this is un, that that's just simply far too low for a player who could be that good. And but obviously you look at the Twins, the Twins are a little thinner on the pitching staff than I would like them to be going into the season. I mean, Sonny Gray yes. is nice, but otherwise they are asking quite a bit from guys like Joe Ryan, from Dylan Bundy, from Chris Archer. I mean, Bailey Ober. Uh, there's just there's a lot of volatility there, and yeah. a lot of those guys are going to need to play up to snuff for them to be in a punter's chance. But I think the offensively, I think they got a, a, a some nice pieces there. So they do. And especially look, Jorge Polanco has been one of the more underrated players in baseball for the last few years, and people Great just don't call. care about him, but they should. Yeah, uh, they just don't. Uh, Luis Arias continues to be also underrated for what he continues to do. Maybe the one, one of the best just eye-to-ball hitters in the game yeah. just continually puts bat on ball. Yeah, And you know what? Maybe there's something to be said about a Max Kepler who we wanted to see and have seen in spurts for quite a bit yeah. but have never been able to see it universally. I mean, the additions of Gio Urshela and Gary Sanchez, could any one of them live up to the billing yeah. that they initially had with the Yankees just two years ago? Sure. I mean, if all of those things play out and Carlos Correa plays like he did last year, this is a Twins team that could genuinely fight for a wild card spot. Yeah, it's not impossible. I just will say, and we'll get to it when we get to the AL East, it's going to be very hard for anybody in the AL East and the AL West to win the wild card just because of how good that division is. Yeah, it really is. Let's talk about the Tigers a second here. Um, as we get to a, a team with, an, again, a phenomenally interesting offseason. Yeah. 77 and 85 last year, missed the playoffs. But if you had told me that the Tigers were going to win 77 games last year, I would have said you were wrong. And no. they did. And truthfully, from the All-Star break onward, they were one of the five best teams in baseball when it comes to records. So, yes, they were playing a lot of AL Central teams. But it doesn't matter. You play the team across from you. Um, they signed Javi Baez to a free agent contract as well as Eduardo Rodriguez, both of them very early in the process. Uh, they traded for Tucker Barnhart from Cincy and just recently completed the trade for Austin Meadows from Tampa yeah. Bay, which I love. Sure. Um, meanwhile, they lost Matt Boyd to San Francisco. Um, that's their only real major subtraction from the team, though. And you're talking about a team that adds Javi Baez, adds Eduardo Rodriguez to theoretically lead the line uh, in front of a very young but up-and-coming pitching staff. Um, yeah. Add a big bat that they really needed in Austin Meadows that I think fits perfectly for them. And then, of course, and Chris, you'll get on to this, is being able to add Spencer Torkelson. Starts yeah. the season with that team. Riley sure. Green right behind him. I mean, this is a this is a lineup that suddenly feels a lot deeper than it did at the start of last season. 
Yeah, it really does. And I think, I think that Austin Meadows trade was a big one. Now I will caution from like a fantasy perspective. If I'm the Tigers, I'm just saying, buddy, you ain't facing left-handed pitching anymore because I took a look at the numbers. It was like a 536 OPS yeah. against left-handers that basically play him to his strengths, have him help play against right-handed pitching and then platoon him with somebody. I think that can work. And I think he could really help that lineup. It's a solid lineup. The key for the Tigers is going to be do Casey Mize and Tariq Skubal. One of those guys has to take a big step up and be that number two starter instead of a back end type guy, which they kind of were last year with flashes of being better. And then Matt Manning as well, who I, I just can't count on from a fantasy perspective this year, but certainly has long-term talent. Detroit is a really fun team. And then Riley green, like you said, that's going to be a big one that they'll be able to add him in a couple of months. It sounds like the good news there is that he did with his broken foot, a broken foot have to get to avoid surgery, which is (laughs) obviously anytime you can avoid going under the shelf is great. And then, Spencer Torkelson has massive offensive ability. And we, we talked about it in our last show about why I have some fantasy question marks going forward, just because you see, you see a lot of right, right rookies just struggle early on, yeah. but he certainly has offensive potential. Detroit is a fun baseball team. They really are. And again, AJ Hinch is the manager here. A, 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 yeah. a guy who knows how to manage this type of club took sure. the Astros, take everything you will about the signs dealing aside, but right. took an Astros team that was on the way up and took them where they need to go. This is a Tigers team that is on the way up. And AJ Hinch is the perfect guy to be managing that roster. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So look, I, if you were to tell me that Detroit ended up beating the Twins this year in the Central, would not shock me in a second. I think no. within the next three to four years, I think we're talking about a Detroit team, if they make the right moves, could be right at the top of the American League Central for a couple of years. That's the kind of yeah. good young talent that they have. For sure. All right, let's move on down the list to the teams with a little less of that good young talent right now. Well, I take that back. Kansas City is bringing up one of my favorites. Let's talk yes. about Kansas City right here. Yeah. As Bobby Witt Jr., the Bobby Wood Jr. era has begun, boys and girls. He officially makes the opening day roster for the Royals, which just pumped about. Just pumped yeah. about all of these. Chris, Han, before we get into the Royals a second, I think we almost need to talk about the fact that are we were we too pessimistic that there was everyone was going to be manipulating service time still? Because this is a pretty impressive rookie class to start yeah. the season that both of us did not expect to happen, especially after none of this was really addressed in the CBA. So yes and no, I will say this. The the only thing I was really surprised about, honestly, for this class was that Julio Rodriguez is going to make the roster. And mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in just a sec. Yep. A lot of things went really right for these guys. Like the Tigers, the Tigers, for what whatever we just said about them, they do view themselves as contenders. And yes, they think those guys so. make them better team. With Bobby Witt Jr., you're talking about a situation where Kansas City just cannot afford to upset Bobby Wood Jr. Yeah. He is too important a player, and the fact that he was ready to go last season is something I think people seem to forget about. Like He was absolutely ready yeah. to make, a de- make his debut. So yes, we, the only name that we really are seeing being suppressed right now is O'Neill Cruz because the Pirates are just a garbage organization. Yeah. But I do think that this was just kind of that perfect situation where again, and Julio Rodriguez, to talk about a team that needs to make the playoffs, the Seattle Mariners. Perfect situation that everything kind of came together. So yes, I am pleasantly surprised by this, but I do think that this maybe isn't going to be a trend. I'm still very skeptical about how this is going to play going forward. 
Yeah, you and I are both skeptical about this just in general. And I think we have to be as as, yeah. as fans like we are because if we aren't skeptical, then the owners of the teams are just going to yeah. fall back on their laurels. Like it, it's, it's us, to at, it's us, yeah. to us as fans to kind of keep their feet to the fire. Please let's do. talk about those Kansas City Royals. So Bobby Witt makes the opening day roster. That is the big news. They also, um, from a transaction standpoint, signed Zach Granke, welcome back, and traded for Amir Garrett from Cincinnati. That Cincinnati fire sale just feeding everybody out there in the league. Uh, meanwhile, they lost Jacob Junis and Greg Holland. Like, yeah. not a whole lot of subtractions no. from a team that no. didn't really have a whole lot of people to subtract. But sure. this is still a Kansas City team that won 74 games last year. It's still a team that has a fun offense, if more fun on paper than maybe in real life. Sometimes it's it, – I looked at that projected opening day lineup, and I looked at that, and I was like, oh, this feels like – a really fun MLB the show team, you know, where yeah. you just kind of put together a bunch of random players. Yeah. And you're like, ah, I like Ben and Tendi. Ah, I like these guys. And sure. all of a sudden you look at it and you're like, Oh, is this really the team that I put? All right, fine. It's fine. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's a fine offense, but there's not a lot of pitching, not much in the bullpen. And I mean, this is a team that boy, if Bobby Witt wasn't on it, it'd be tough to watch. Yeah, it would. I mean, this is a very much a long-term rebuild for Kansas city and they have a very solid farm system with some young arms. I'm, Curious to see how guys like Daniel Lynch and Jackson Kowal, mm-hmm. both guys, yes. especially Lynch, who I really liked and just was awful in his first taste of Major League action. It was better upon the second call-up. So there are some young people to watch, but this just seems like, even in a division where there are winnable games, just seems like kind of the definition of a 74-88 and 88 team. It's a step forward. I mean, I think that was actually right around their record, but they do seem like a team that's on the right track. But, man, I'm excited to watch Bobby Wood Jr. play baseball because this guy just can do everything, and I like baseball players who can do everything. Call me crazy. Now that Bobby Wood is officially on the opening day roster, does that change where you're drafting him in a regular draft? I, it, not me because I, I – we talked he, about it a little you've, bit. You've I really, on the front end of a yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. So, But for everybody else, yeah, I think so. I talked about in a video for Yahoo, I think you can start considering him about in the fifth round. Like probably more comfortable in the sixth round somewhere in that – 60 to 70 range is probably where I'm taking him. But if you were had the last pick of the fifth round and you know that this guy is going to be your shortstop, again, the counting stats are going to be there with Bobby Wood Jr. Yeah. because of his power and speed. So unless Kansas City is just a bunch of mean jerks who tell Bobby Wood Jr. he can't run, there's no reason to think that he's not going to have fantasy relevancy. Let's talk about the Guardians a second here. They went sure. 82 <laughs> last year. And it's, by the way, get ready. You know, the – circling the bases drink every time you hear bitter with the better like get ready yeah. to drink every time i accidentally say indians because yeah. boy that's going to happen a bunch until i'm not sure. uh 80 and 82 last year they were two games under 500 and boy i tried to find major additions or subtractions and they're not they're just Luke genuinely male. You're like, I Googled you that and Google's Luke like male. what are you talking about the guardians don't make moves that's what they said that's what google said back then yeah, yeah. I didn't know what else to do but it's it's hard to watch the Guardians play basically their own version of Major League, like the movie, like the Indians from the movie, just because there's not – they yeah. just don't want to spend money. They don't. They don't want to spend money on anything. There was talks that they were trying to lock down um, Jose Ramirez. But I, I will lose my – I will lose a bet somewhere that I have made in the past if Jose Ramirez re-signs with the Guardians because there's just no yeah. way that – a, he wants to be there long term for this project, right. and That's B, the they have the money to give him that he's going to actually accept 
a long-term project for that. So expect Jose Ramirez to potentially be on the move halfway through this year. But I think that's going to depend on where the Guardians are halfway through the season. Because you know what? Cleveland, like Oakland, that we're going to get to in a little bit, perpetually kind of punches up above their weight in terms of what we expect from that roster. And if they're able to do that, well, you know, maybe the Indian or Indians, there you go, drink. Uh, Maybe the Guardians, um, you know, try and run it out to the end of the year and play it out. But if not, uh, Jose Ramirez, I think, is going to be one of the more interesting and one of the more seismic names that could be on the market come June, July. I would actually be really surprised if Jose Ramirez finishes the year in Cleveland. I would be Um, shocked. And there's actually talk today about that San Diego is making a possible push for him. And that makes all the sense in the world. San Diego has a system that could uh, easily add him. You can play Jose Ramirez at second base, third base. You could probably even try him in the outfield if you wanted to, but I wouldn't do that. Yeah, this is not a very good baseball team. But the one thing I will say is I do like that pitching staff still. Like yeah. like Shane Bieber is still a legitimate ace to me. People I, aren't I, talking about him enough. Yes. No, absolutely not. They forgot I mean, about him. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 an easy thing to forget because we're fickle and there have just been so many uh there's so many players to keep an eye on. But I still think he's going to be a fantasy one this year as in terms of starting pitcher, maybe even in the top four or five. His stuff is that good. Cal Quantrill was really intriguing to me last year. Uh, Emmanuel Classe is one of the most talented relievers in baseball. So there is talent here and the division's bad enough that they could maybe compete for third place, maybe even second place. It wouldn't shock me, but you're talking about a team that just has no look of a playoff team and quite frankly, doesn't deserve to be a playoff team. Well, I think you're also talking about, it's tough to look at a team that even if they maybe don't look like a playoff team, the, Ownership has no interest in making this a player. No, like they don't no. have any interest in adding to this roster. So None. even if they get off to a good start, it's they, all that did is just up trade value from some of their players that they can that they could sell off for spare parts, and that's what's going to yeah. happen. So Great point. I don't know about this. Uh, give me your AL Central prediction here. I think we're both probably going to be pretty uniform on this one. Yeah, I think the White Sox win the division. I'll go exactly in the order that we read the teams. I'll go White Sox, Twins, Tigers, Royals, Guardians. I'm going to go with that as well, but boy, I think while it might not mean anything in terms of the playoff picture, the battle for two, three in the central between the twins and the tigers, I'm just genuinely curious about it. It's going to be fun. Those teams are had just such a fun off season. I just want to see how it plays out. Me too. All right. Give me a fantasy player you are targeting and a fantasy player you are avoiding. Okay. So the fantasy player that I am targeting is Joe Ryan, who we talked about just a second Mm -hmm. ago. He's going to be the opening day starter. You do not see a ton of rookie opening day starters, but he's earned it. Look, he is not, he doesn't have the elite stuff of a Hunter Green or Grayson Rodriguez or someone like that, but he commands the heck out of everything he throws. He walked 12 guys and struck out 92 in AAA, had no problems throwing strikes in the major leagues, but he throws quality strikes. He keeps the ball down. I really think that he has a chance to be a top 60, maybe even a top 50 starting pitcher this year, which is asking a lot for a rookie, but I really do think so. And the guy I'm avoiding, and I love this player personally, is Salvador Perez, just because you have to draft him in the third round to get him. I can't take a catcher this year in the third round. I would much rather end up with JT Romuto or Will Smith or Kiebert Ruiz or someone along those lines and wait. You know, Obviously, you're not going to be able to wait as long for those first two names I said. But I cannot take Salvador Perez hoping that he's going to hit another 48 homers and drive in a bunch of runs. I I think he'll be a solid player. 
wouldn't shock me if he was catcher one, but I can't take him that early. Yeah, the ADP just seems a little high for me. It's a, at a position that, while it's not deep, still has players that you can draft in like the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th round that 100%. are going to give you 80% of the value without the third round pick next to it. So yes, I right. agree wholeheartedly with you there. Player for me that I'm targeting, we mentioned him earlier, Sonny Gray. Look, yeah. Sonny Gray has been a pretty consistent pitcher for the every, basically since he left New York because he just could not handle whatever the Yankees were sending his way. But since then, he has been an incredibly consistent pitcher, and he has yeah. moved from one of the best Harris parks to one of the best pitchers parks in the game. And he's going to have a much better defense behind him as long as he doesn't give up home runs, which, again, are much harder to give up in target field than it is at Great American Ballpark. I think mm-hmm. where we're to where Sonny Gray is being drafted right now, which is outside the 30 starting pitchers, I think in some outside the top 40, like yeah. I think he has great draft day value that you should be targeting late. He's going to give you great ratios. He should give you enough strikeouts to do it. I mean, wins are going to be a little tough, but honestly, wins are tough to come by everywhere at this point. Right. So I, sure. I can't really lean on that too much. But his ERA, the strikeout should be there. I like him quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And again, players to avoid, while I love Austin Meadows in person, I think, like you said, that left-right swing, the the platoon advantage is just yeah. bad. It's yeah. real bad. He's also going from you know a team that kind of made perfect sense for him in Tampa Bay where he was just the big bat in the middle of a whole bunch of guys who got on base. That's mm-hmm. not exactly the case in Detroit. There's a lot of guys with a lot of swing and miss in their game. I don't know if he has the same amount of run driving in uh, opportunities that he has. I think Austin Meadows is still getting drafted a little too high for what I'd like. Uh, yeah. If he falls, great, but if he, if he, I'm not reaching out for him. So, yeah, no, he's a player that I'm happy to avoid this year. I'd love to fight with you, but I agree with both of those. Deal. I'll take it. Let's move <laughs> over to the West here, and let's talk about the Astros first. Obviously, the American League champs last year lost to the Braves in the World Series. Uh, they re-signed Justin Verlander, signed Hector Neris, and Nico, Good, uh, Nico Goodrum. Uh, however, they lost Carlos Correa, Zach Granke, and Kendall Graveman. Um, most importantly, obviously is that Correa lost. Look, this is a team that won the American league last year, won the AL West last year, still brings back the majority of the roster that it has. Carlos Correa is the big circle on there that is missing before we get into anything else. Chris, talk to me about Jeremy Pena, who is the rookie who is going to be taking over that starting spot. What should we expect from him in Correa's shoes? I really like Jeremy Pena, and I have for a while. I've been talking about him in a bunch this offseason. I brought him up um, at the first pitch Arizona as one of the guys that people needed to start targeting. I really, really, really think he has a chance for fantasy success. If I knew for sure that he was going to be on the roster on Sunday, I would have said that he would have been in my top 10 prospects on that list, with all due respect, with some of those other names. Absolutely loaded, by the way, this top 10. Like, yeah. so many good prospects. So many good uh, ones, yeah. But I, I think he's got a chance to hit for average, hit for power. Houston, with stolen bases, could be a little weird because, like, they are kind of a station-to-station team, but I think he has the, the ability to steal bases. So I'll be curious to see if they let him run. Expect some issues, like some ups and downs, like you should expect for most 24-year-olds getting their first taste of Major League Baseball. But I think he can be a solid top 25 shortstop, which, you know, that's a guy you can consider playing in your middle infield. Is he someone that we need to be thinking about during drafts, or is he someone just kind of waiting? Yeah, Yeah. I I absolutely think he's someone that I would want on my bench um, just because of that shortstop eligibility. If he stinks, 
so be it. You can go pick somebody up. But I, I would draft him at the end of rounds. Talk to me about well, – we got Justin Verlander back on the roster, obviously yeah. coming off a year where he has Tommy John surgery, so we didn't see him at all last year. Um, him coming back to this roster is very big because I think one of the issues with this Astros team, especially as they try to continue the dominance that they've had in the American League over the last five to seven years, has been a large part due to their pitching – they're going to be asking a lot of Justin Verlander here coming off of at 38, 39 years old, coming off of Tommy John. He needs to pitch like 150 innings in the season for otherwise they're going to be asking quite a bit from guys like Luis Gar- uh, Garcia and um, Lance McCullers is injured right now. I mean, right. Kramer Valdez has been good and shown flashes, but hasn't done it a whole bunch. Uh, Urquidy has shown great flashes, but again, the consistency hasn't always been there. It's one of the reasons they got bounced in the world series last year was because the starting pitching wasn't up to snuff. That is going to be the biggest question mark for this Astros team. Cause I think the offense is pretty set still, even without Correa, that pitching staff is where the eyes need to be. Yeah, absolutely. Justin Verlander is, I think one of the big enigmas of the year, and it's going to be what determines whether or not Houston wins this division, to be completely honest with you, for all the reasons that you said. Currently going 112th in drafts, I think I would take him a little bit earlier than that, especially knowing now like Chris Sale is going to miss a lot of time now that he's on the 60-day disabled list, so I'm taking Verlander over him. You've got to be prepared for uh, just because of how much time he missed and because of the fact that he's not exactly a spring chicken anymore. you got to be prepared for that, so you're not wanting to count on, it, on him as your starting pitcher too or anything like that. But if he's your third or fourth best starter, I think that's pretty solid. And there are going to be times when Justin Verlander dominates because what I've seen in spring training is he still has that great secondary stuff yeah. and the ability to throw it for strikes. Yeah, it, I, I don't worry so much. And I think spring training put it to bed for me. I don't worry that he doesn't have the stuff anymore. I worry more off of Tommy John, short yeah. build up this season in spring yeah. training, like going to be asked to do a lot, 39 years old. Like I just see a, I see a scenario where – they ask a lot from him and then he kind of just like throws his arm out and trying to live up to it. I just worry about that a little bit. I'm not sure if I'm drafting, if I'm drafting Verlander on my team this year, I think I'm willing to have somebody else kind of deal with it one way or the other. Um, But that being said, from a real life standpoint, if like you said, if Verlander is my three or four and not my number one or two, like I feel really good about the rest of that lineup as it goes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the rest of this Houston lineup is, very underrated. Like this is a very complete baseball team. I, I I think that people don't really want Houston to be a very good baseball team for a lot of reasons that have nothing to do with most of their current players, but it's a very, very good baseball team. I am a little upset. I will say in this off season that the Astros didn't really address their center field position. I mean, Yes, Chas McCormick has shown flashes and such, but like this is not exactly that. That is a wide open spot for a team that is so clearly ready to win now. Right. There's no one out there that you could have f- kind of finagled either free agent or trade wise to kind of lock yeah. down that center field spot. Just a little, again, as we try and pick apart this yeah. Astros team, which again, like you said, has very few parts to be picked. I will um, say, though, I will say, though, just real quick that like, yeah. The free agent market for center fielders was pretty darn weak this year. So I will give them a break. I don't blame anybody for saying no to paying Starling Marte what they did just because that skill set that he has, as good as it is, deteriorates so quickly and so 
it's usually not a, a slow degrade. It usually yes. I've, I've seen plenty of those guys and they can make a trade for a guy like Brian Reynolds or someone like that. If Jazz McCormick doesn't work out, but overall I do agree. I think Houston should have probably been a little more aggressive, but it's hard to be too hard on him because this is a team that's spending does have a payroll right around 200 million bucks. Let's go over to your Mariners now. Let's uh, let's make your grandmother happy here. 90 <laughs> and 72 last year. Just missed the playoffs for counting me now 21 straight. 21 to oh, well, 20 straight years this would be 21. So. Okay, well let's let's see if it gets to 21. Let's yeah. not let's <laughs> not write into stone just yet. Yeah. Um they had a very busy offseason. Traded for Adam Frazier before the lockout. Uh, traded for Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez from Cincy after the lockout, signed Robbie Ray and Sergio Romo, uh, and lost UC, uh, UC Kikuchi and Tyler Anderson. Um, obviously, Adam Frazier, Jesse Winker, Eugenio Suarez, Robbie Ray, like just great names to add to this roster. I, sure. I also forgot Kyle Seeger not on the team anymore because he retired. Right. But Frazier, Winker, Suarez, and Ray is a really nice foursome to add to a team that went 90 and 72 last year and does not have a whole lot of subtractions here. And most importantly, welcome to the majors, Julio Rodriguez. I mean, we're going to talk about him right now because the, the number basically three prospect on just about everyone's boards, a top five consensus. He looked phenomenal this spring, just absolutely great. I mean, he did everything in his power to uh, the Mariners couldn't possibly send him down after the spring no. that he had. Like, I don't know what justification they would have been able to sell to their fans <laughs> that he yeah. needed two more weeks of grooming for no apparent sure. reason. He had over 400 this spring, but he joins the roster now with Jared Kelnick, who obviously was the top prospect last year who got the call up. Um, Kyle Lewis was the rookie of the year, the year prior. This is a, this is a young team that is starting to really build out the rest of its core, especially with the moves that they made in this off season. Mm-hmm. And I think they have a genuine shot of maybe being the first team to usurp the Astros in quite a few years. Yeah, certainly possible. I, I still think you look at that 90 and 72 record and, you know, they like to call it the fun differential, but that run differential does tell you that there was a lot of good yes. luck. I, I liked the off season moves they made. I was very disappointed. They didn't go further though, because for all those moves you've mentioned, with the loss of Kyle Seeger and with the loss of Yusei Kikuchi, the only added, and this is a the the optimism uh, number, like $15 million to their payroll in a year mm-hmm. where they said that they were going to start spending money. This is still the 22nd highest payroll in baseball, which is yep. just unacceptable for a team that's playing in Seattle, Washington. But Agreed. I do think that they, they've, they're they better. I have some serious question marks about uh, some of the members of that rotation, not so much Robbie Ray, even if Robbie Ray isn't the Robbie Ray we saw last year, he's still going to strike out a lot of people mm-hmm. and has made the delivery changes that you no longer have to worry about the seven walk game. That was so often a worry over the last <laughs> couple of years before yeah. last year. But I think this team is a volatile thing. I could I could see it winning 88 games. I could see it winning 78 games. I am a little disappointed as someone who really wants my grandma to have a good baseball team to watch that they didn't weren't a little more aggressive at positions that they could have upgraded at, but it's, it's going to be an interesting team to watch. And like Julio Rodriguez, man, that there is super duper star potential in that bat. And it wouldn't shock me at all. If he was competing for rookie of the year this year. Talk to me about Julio Rodriguez in the sense of fantasy drafts coming up yeah. is there now that he is officially on the roster and we're not talking about a month, two months, whatever else to get up to the majors. He's going to be on the roster and short of having a Kelnick like debut should right. be there for, re- for the remainder of the year. Yeah. Where does that change for you where his ADP should be? 
I think he's someone you can start considering in like the 130 to 150 range, which is pretty aggressive for a a rookie outfielder. I think the big thing here for me is, so he stole 21 bases last year, but all the reports I got were above average to maybe just a tick above average. There's something called average plus that scouts will use. Mm -hmm. He, he's faster than that. Like he, if you watched him on that inside the park home run, he hit off Emmanuel class a it's easy plus speed, maybe even plus plus like he has really worked hard to improve that. You do not see that out of players that are his, his size increasing their speed that much. So now I actually think that 20 steals are an actual possibility as an everyday player that changes things a lot because I don't doubt that he's going to hit for power. He has such a quality ability to recognize pitches that I think average is you know you can't guarantee average with a rookie player but i do think hitting 270 or 280 is absolutely a possibility here so yeah i think that he can help you fill out that category so i don't mind taking him in that 120 130 to 150 range but you want him to be your outfielder three or four because you you can't count on him to carry a roster certainly that possibility he has that kind of skill set that he could be that next juan soto that next ronald acuna jr but you shouldn't count on that in 2022. So for those out there who are wondering, why are you talking so highly about Bobby Wood Jr. as a rookie getting into the league and doing it up versus Julio Rodriguez that you have, you know, I think in your mind, at least seven, seven to 10 rounds later, you're taking one over the other. Is there a reason for one over the other? Short stop. Shortstop versus outfield, man. That's just such a big difference. Like the, the ability for look, you're going to fill there's Julio Rodriguez might be outfielder 40 and have an excellent season. Right. Whereas Bobby Wood Jr. Has an excellent season. And you're talking about like shortstop seven or shortstop eight. That's the big difference here. Like one is playing a premium position and one is not. If you're playing in a league that locks in center fielders, probably changes things a little bit because he is going to be, I think one of the better center fielders. But if you're just talking about outfield, it's much easier to find a Julio Rodriguez than it is a Bobby Wood Jr. By the way, another name to watch on this team, Mitch Hanniger had a great year last year. People do not give him enough respect for what he did last year. A name that I'm watching. I've done quite a few mocks. I've done quite a few regular drafts. Mitch Hanniger keeps falling onto my team like the 17th or 18th round, and I am smiling each time. So another name to kind of keep an eye out for, uh, just not getting the respect that he deserves. For sure. Um, A team that does not deserve the respect that they get, the Angels, uh, 77 and 85 last year. And uh, correct me if you've heard this before, they missed the playoffs again. Um, (laughs) Their major offseason additions, they re-signed Rafael Iglesias, signed Noah Syndergaard and Michael Lorenzen, uh, signed Ryan Tapera, Aaron Loop, and Archie Bradley to round out that bullpen and traded for Tyler Wade from the Yankees. Only major offseason subtraction, Alex Cobb left, uh, leaves to uh, San Francisco. So when we talk about the Angels, look, last year, Mike Trout injured for basically the entire year. Anthony Rendon injured for basically the entire year. Both of those guys back look back and healthy. They're going to be ready to participate from day one. Obviously, Jared Walsh had a really strong year last year in his his first full season. Um, Some guy named Shohei Otani came on and kind of did some (laughs) cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, You know, he was, he was adequate. And Joe Adele, which you, which we discussed in the last show, and I will continue to bang that table as loud as I can. Joe Adele had maybe the best spring out of anybody, just period. Um, And he looks ready to go with just five tool, um, 
with five category potential across yeah. the board. Um, meanwhile, though, the Angels, the pitching staff is still very much a question mark. They're going to be asking a lot from Noah Syndergaard. We expected them to sign somebody else. They yeah. didn't. Noah Syndergaard yeah. is their one major um, free agent pitching signing. I mean, Lorenzen is nice, but that's not the major signing that they were looking for here. Um, so again, pitching staff and health are the two major questions on this team, but offensively, and again, if they can stay healthy, this should be one of the better offensive teams in the league if they can do it all together. Yeah, the lineup looks really good here. And I think that, like, I know we like to make fun of the Angels because of the fact that they have these star players and they just can't seem to make the playoffs. <laughs> it's it's a nice problem to have, to be honest with you. But, like, they lost the best player in baseball or at very least one of the very best players in baseball, one of the greatest players to ever play the sport. It still won 77 games. I'm yep. not sure how many teams you can say lose a player like that and win 77 games. As Fair much point. as baseball is not an individual sport. But I do have some question marks here. The pitching staff, I think Patrick Sandoval is really interesting. He flashed yes. really good stuff towards the end of the year. I actually like this bullpen quite a bit too. Mm-hmm. The addition yeah. of Ryan Tapera and Archie Bradley. Um, Joe Adele has superstar potential. I'm really excited to see what he can do this year. Um Looked so good that they were willing to pay $28 million to Justin Upton to say, see you later. Be very curious to see where Justin Upton lands. I still think he can be a decent um, platoon bat somewhere. So I'll be curious to see if he finds a new landing spot. But I do like this team. I think that they're the difference between this team and Seattle is actually relatively negligible, Mm -hmm. except for the fact that one team has the reigning MVP and a guy who's won it a bunch of times. So be very interesting to see where this team finishes up. Yeah, I did. Again, we we've walked into this. It's another year, another year where we look at the Angels and go, boy, they could make the playoffs, and yeah. boy, they could win seventy games. You know <laughs> yeah, I mean? like sure, you could see either one of those scenarios playing out here. And I, I for me, Artie Moreno and the Angels need to go out at some point this year and find and put their chips to the center of the table and get something strong at the top of that rotation. Because if you yeah. added a true number one onto this team and suddenly took a little bit of pressure off of Shohei, not having to go out there and go eight strong every single time he does, like and, and not asking Noah Syndergaard after basically not pitching for two years to have to pitch 150 innings or so. Uh, there's just so many question marks with that pitching staff. Go out there and find somebody else to lock down the top of that rotation. I think this whole team fills out after that. Like yeah. you said, completely love the bullpen moves that they made. I mean, they. I think that now is a strength rather than a detriment, which it has been in years past. I think you could really talk about shortening the game a little bit. How many times did we watch the Angels blow games late because they just didn't have the steam to go all nine innings? It's like that quite a bit. And again, I think this season, health and Joe Adele is where this is where this team is going to go. I don't worry about anybody else on that team. If Adele can live up to his stuff and that team can stay healthy, we're talking about a potential wildcard team. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, again, Kind of like the Twins, a very wide range of potential landing spots. All right, let's talk about the big spenders in this offseason. That's the Rangers. Um, you know, they saw 60 wins last year and said, we're ready now, and then decided to spend half a billion dollars on their middle <laughs> infield. Uh, Corey Seager and Marcus Semien, welcome to Texas. You got a Texas-sized check. Meanwhile, they signed John Gray as well, signed Brad Miller and Cole Calhoun, traded for Mitch Garver, signed Martin Perez and Greg Holland. And really the only major offseason subtraction, Jordan Lyles to Baltimore. Like yeah. this is basically the team they're running back from last year with a whole bunch of shiny new additions. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know how I feel about this Rangers team. Like I can't imagine that this year is a year where they're going to put it all together, but you got to appreciate Texas for taking a genuine, I don't even want to say step a leap in the right direction in terms of putting together a serviceable baseball team out there that, you know, potentially can get to where it needs to go in the next couple of years. Yeah. What I think they did here with signing um, Simeon Seager and gray is they just took that rebuilding step. And instead of making it a three or four year process, maybe a one or two year process, like, and I wish more teams would do that because it's certainly better for the fans too. And you're going to have more people coming out to the park to see Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager play and watch Sean Gray pitch. It's just, there's still a lot of holes in this uh, lineup, but you're going to have guys like Josh Young and Cole Wynn and those guys. And of course, Jack Leiter, who should be ready in about a year or so. Like this is going to be a really fun baseball team to monitor going forward. I just don't see a heck of a lot of success for them in 2022. I could see them being a much better baseball team that doesn't necessarily win many more games, which is weird to say for a 61 team, but like 70 to 75 wins is where I think I'd put the ceiling. Yeah, I I agree with you there. I think that's about right to me. This is this team's going to take a step in the in the right direction in probably a major way. Do I think it's enough to to play in the playoff pool? No, I don't think no, it's enough. No. I think there's still another year there. But you know what? That's that's totally fine because yeah. it's, it's going to take a little bit of time. But boy, you spend half a billion dollars on a middle infield, and that'll start getting you there a lot quicker. For sure. <laughs> I mean, it just blows my mind the idea that they spent half a billion dollars on it. It's but, crazy. Um, you know, because they're a 61 team. They're ready to go now. Yeah. Uh, and then, I mean, the athletics. Do we need to talk about the athletics? Do we have to? I mean, they're just uh, the team is not there anymore. It's like basically a minor league team that they decided to put in. I had to – I almost had to go into a second page for the number of major offseason subtractions that they had. Yeah. Uh, just to give you a quick recap, Matt Olson, Chris Bassett, Sean Manaya. Matt Chapman, Starling Marte, Mark Kana, Jan Gomes, Josh Harrison. That's just in this offseason. And by the way, more are still probably going to go before, you know, oh, yeah. before the next couple weeks, before oh, the trade deadline. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. And oh, but it's okay. They did sign Stephen Voigt. So, <laughs> and that just makes me wonder when Sean Murphy's going to get traded because <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'll say this though, man, it seems like I can't remember the last time Oakland. Like they've done like three or four rebuilds over like yep. the last 15 years and they've never really bottomed out. So I'm nope. just wondering how the heck they're going to win 76 games or something like that. But on paper, well, they don't bottom out this year. I yeah. Think. There's they, some they sort give of everything yeah, because yeah. good Lord. Yeah. Don't move. Don't move from Oakland. Cause you're clearly on some burial ground that is really helping <laughs> your baseball team. Um, exactly. Yeah, and unfortunately, I do think this is either the last or second to last year that they'll be in Oakland, which is such a bummer because it's one of the you – know, I know they originally weren't in Oakland, but they've become such an important part yeah. of baseball. But really, the biggest thing for me here is who's Frankie Montas going to be playing for? Like, who? what is the team yep. that is going to – like, it's unfortunate that I wonder if they wouldn't want to deal him in the division because if I was the Angels, then I'd be all over trying to get a guy like Montas um, – just a lineup full of like average replaceable players and not, not even average players, like below average players, like on paper. And if the AOS is as good as I think it is, this could be a team that wins 65 games. Chris pop quiz. Can you name three or can you name three people that are going to be in the opening day lineup for the, for Oakland? 
Yeah, because I'm looking at it right now. Oh, okay, but, okay. Uh, <laughs> but I will honestly, say, I'm looking yeah. at it as well, and I'm like, yeah. boy, if you put a gun to my head, I'm getting yeah. three of these. Right. <laughs> like, three I, of them. I'll tell you another name that I'm interested to watch here is Christian Pache because yep. you know he came over, and I liked that trade for them. Like I knew that. Um, the, it stinks that they have to move a guy like Matt Olson. Most major league organizations shouldn't have to move a guy like Matt Olson, but I think they did well in that trade. Like Shane Langoliers has a chance to be a starting catcher and Christian Pache is a legitimate 80 fielder on the 2080 scale with the 70 arm as well. Like he has a chance to be one of the very best defensive outfielders that we've seen in a long time. Question is, is the bat going to play up? Because at times he has flashed offensive ability. I'm just really curious to see if he can take that step forward. And then Ramon Laureano as well, suspended yeah. to begin the year. Great point. I imagine that when he's back, he'll be somebody that has some trade interest as well. Yeah. I assume somebody out there is going to, with yeah. the potential that he can have, like, bye-bye. Someone will take yeah, him. For sure. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about, or let's go to, all right. So pick your division winner here. Let's start with that first. I'm still going Houston. I think Houston's just the most complete baseball team that answers the least questions. I will actually predict it's Houston. I'm going Los Angeles in the second spot, uh, Seattle third, Texas fourth, and Oak Vegas in fifth. I, I'm exactly the same way. I, until someone tells me otherwise, Astros still win this division. I still think they have enough. Yeah. Uh, go Angels here too. I picked them to win the West last year. I was clearly wrong, but I think this is, I think the team, again, just offensively, I love that lineup and I think sure. they can do enough. Mariners right behind them. I think that's a, a very fun, I think one of those two teams make the wild card. I'm not sure which one, but one of them I think does. Um, and then the Rangers another year away before they start getting a contention. The athletics uh, might be playing triple a ball later. I don't know. Um, <laughs> So, yeah. All right. So give me a fantasy player to target and a fantasy player to avoid. So the player to target is I'm going with Jared Kelnick, and it's been made a little easier that he's homered in three straight spring training games. Yeah, that'll help. Uh, crushed a homer off of uh, Hunter Green today. Um, I just believe in the bat. And he made so many adjustments in September. Very difficult adjustments to make for a player his age. The ability the hit the if you just look at the numbers of how much better he was and making contact with pitches in the strike zone. I am a big believer in him. The player I'm avoiding kind of hurts my heart a little bit, but if you're playing in a Yahoo league, Shohei Otani is going with like the average of the 75th pick as a pitcher. I think that's just way too high for a guy who might just be making one start a week and at times is going to be skipped because he's so important. Like I love him. And if you're playing in a league that you get both Otani versions, then no, it's great. You're still gobble. taking him yeah. right around gobble, the gobble. end of the, right around the end of the first round, beginning of the second, if not higher. But if you have to take both, I think there are too many good starting pitchers for me to be taking uh, Shohei Otani just as a pitcher in the seventh round. A uh, player for me to target in a similar mindset as my Sonny Gray pick before, give me John Gray. Right. Uh, look, going from, again, the best hitter's park in America to a pitcher's park, again, yeah. finally getting out of Coors Field, Sure. Um, finally, I, I think has a really good team behind him. Look, John Gray's peripherals have looked really good. They just continue to get blown up because one bad start in, in Coors will, will just destroy everything. But his peripherals have been good. He has been a solid stat, uh, metrics guy. And now finally he gets to go to a pitcher's park that fits his style so much better. I think he is a great late round flyer when you're in your drafts. Look, so he's going to punch above where he's getting drafted right now. I'd be shocked if he didn't. Just from that alone, I think makes him worthwhile to pick up later. And players to avoid, look, it was kind of hard for me to pick, so I'm just going to do it all. 
the entire Oakland Athletics team. I don't think there is one person on the Oakland Athletics team that I want on mine. There is no. so avoid the entire team. And that's tough for me to say because even on the Pirates, there are, you know, Brian Reynolds, O'Neill Cruz, Brian sure. Hayes, maybe sure. There's something there. On the Orioles, there's Adley Rutschman, there's Trey Mancini, there's yeah. Mount Castle. Like there's something there. There is nothing on this Oakland roster that I want anywhere near my fantasy roster. So just yeah. skip it wholeheartedly. <laughs> Let's hop over to the East now, the the premier division in the American League, because, boy, all of them, Sands Orioles, are real good. Uh, let's start with the Rays here. Let's actually kind of rep through these a little bit all together. Rays, obviously, were the winners last year, 100 wins. Uh, they added Corey Kluber in the offseason and traded Austin Meadows, and that's about it for them. Meanwhile, the Red Sox added Trevor Story, Jackie Bradley Jr., upgraded their bullpen and the back end of their rotation. Um, the Yankees re-sign Anthony Rizzo, trade for Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Josh Donaldson, and sign Marwin Gonzalez, but completely skip out on all of the other free agents. And the Blue Jays signed Kevin Gossman, traded for Matt Chapman, and signed UC Kikuchi. However, they lose Robbie Ray, Marcus Semyon, and Steven Matz. So let's talk about all four of these teams, because again, look, the Orioles are the Orioles. I think we all kind of have a certain expectation they're going to be distantly last in this yeah in this division um although i was looking online today and i'm going to try and pull it up while you're talking but i saw the over under for baltimore and it's like 64 wins and i don't understand that whatsoever i'm going to hammer that under yeah with with, with maybe a rent check but let's sure. talk about let's talk about the top four teams here and uh let's start with the race because obviously they were they were the winners last year did not do a whole lot in this offseason to really change anything. Now, granted, it's the Rays, so as soon as they sign someone, they have to sign someone for $3 million, they have to get rid of $2 million somewhere. <laughs> yeah. But, and they also have a farm system that could basically be its own franchise. Sure. But the Rays, again, for a team that has been to the World Series in the last two years, has won the American League East a couple of times, has been you know deep into the playoffs, not a whole lot of changes there, which is kind of surprising. No, I mean, it's a, this is kind of what they do, man. They just kind of, somebody steps away and somebody comes up and it's the, their player development system is a lot to do with that. I'm very excited to see what Wander Franco does this year. Yeah, I mean, just me like the best prospect in baseball by a long shot, probably since Byron Buxton is somebody I'm really looking forward to watching, or maybe Ronald Cooney Jr. or Juan Soto. I'm, I'm old and everybody just kind of meshes together now. Um, I'm really excited to see how much he's going to run. He talked about it in an article with the athletic that his goal was a 30, 30 season and in order to get to 30, you got to run. So I am excited to see how much he's going to run. Cause I know that's the biggest question mark with fantasy managers is just how much Juan Soto is going to run. If he's giving you 15 to 20 steals with the average and power that he can project, man, there is superstar potential for, uh, for Wander Franco this year. Yep. I just I I think that there are better teams in this division now, and that's more a compliment to those teams than insult to Tampa Bay. Yeah, uh, Wander Franco is I think incredibly interesting because look, if he's a thirty thirty guy, then oh he's a uh, he's a first round pick. The way oh, yeah. that his batting average is always going to be there. The guy just yeah. does not strike out. He's got nope. two strike swing ability, like few yeah. others in the league. And if he really adds. Good. 30 plus power and 20 plus stolen bases. Like yeah. good God, you're getting an absolute steal for where you're drafting him nowadays. Talk to me about Josh Lowe for a second here. The outfielder who is going to replace Austin Meadows um, when he got shipped off to Detroit. I know you're excited about him. Talk to me about him. Yeah. He's the guy that where when we do the, 
player that I'm targeting, the sleeper, I think Josh Lowe is somebody to really target. In fact, if you're drafting now, like in one of those stupid slow drafts, go get him right now because there's real ability for him to be a contributor in average or excuse me, in homers and power. Maybe a little bit of question about the average for this year, but I'm not talking about a 210, 220 type Mm -hmm. hitter. Maybe you're talking about 230, 240, but maybe a chance to have the average in power and steals. Like he can run, or excuse me, the power and the steals to uh, matter in those. Boy, I cannot talk today. Are we going to do a podcast every week? Because this might be a problem. I think you're going to do a couple every week. Yeah, (laughs) maybe three. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think Josh Lowe is somebody absolutely to target. Probably starting on your bench to begin the year, but somebody you'd want on your fantasy roster. Flipping over to the Red Sox. Again, the big story, obviously, bringing Trevor Story to play second base now, which, by the way, I think changes completely the way we need to view Trevor Story. I mean, I think I had Trevor Story as like my seventh shortstop off the board. I think you were, I think, a little farther back for me on that. Not but too far, though. Not, yeah. I, a little. I mean, like a couple yeah. picks. Yeah. But I think when we start looking at him now as probably the primary second baseman and going to get second base eligibility with the Red Sox, with Xander Bogarts pretty much, it seems like entrenched that short. I think he becomes a top five second baseman moving forward on that spot. And I think we need to value him as such. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I love that part for him too. Like maybe a few less homers than he was going to get in Coors Field, but take those homers and add in maybe 10 to 15 doubles. It would not shock me at all. Would not shock me at all if Trevor Story was a 50-double player this year, especially with the ability to kind of run out some doubles as well since he can still Mm -hmm. run. Really like that pickup. I kind of think they make that signing that he's going to be maybe not a second baseman going forward, but for this year he'll be the second baseman. Yeah, Yeah, because I would not be shocked if, say, Rafael Devers was moved to first base, DH, and Xander Bobarts makes the move over to third base, something along those lines. It's just a lot of money to play a second baseman. That's not Robinson Cano. You know what sure. I mean? So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I really like him for fantasy this year. I think that the fact that he's going to give you a couple of positions that he can play just adds to that value. Um, and then obviously they sign Michael Waka, James Paxton, Rich Hill. I mean, there are a couple interesting names there, but none of them yeah. were the streamers for me until someone shows something else. I know yeah. everyone's kind of looking out for this year's Robbie Ray. And I know that kind of James Paxton and Robbie Ray have kind of had like similar trajectories in their career. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it quite so much for this spot. James Paxton just cannot stay healthy. Uh, With with Robbie Ray, it was just simply about inconsistency. With Paxton, it's about health. And honestly, at this point, I'm more than happy to have somebody else take him off my roster. Yeah, there's not a lot I'm loving about this pitching staff. Like Nathan Eovaldi, I think, is worth considering with like a top 100 pick. That's the guy I'd feel the most confident in. If Garrett Whitlock had an established role, I'd be much more interested in him. But it kind of sounds like they don't even know what to do with Garrett Whitlock because he's not going to open the year as the closer. Apparently talking about using him as a multi-inning reliever to begin the year. I'm guessing, yeah. I hate that. Like it certainly provides the real-life value, but from fantasy, it just – it makes it really a situation you kind of got to avoid. Maybe some of your stashing when they finally realize, oh, Garrett Whitlock should be closing baseball yep. games or pitching in higher leverage relief anyway, or a starter. Like there, you got to have him as one of these. It just doesn't make sense for me to have him unless he's pitching behind an opener and he maybe becomes like a Ryan. That's Yarbrough what I was going to say. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna but say, get me behind an opener. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that, that I can live with. Get the auto I, win. Yeah, take yes, it. yeah, exactly. But yeah, this is a pitching staff for the most part that I'm basically avoiding. How are you handling Chris Sale this year? Because obviously he's going to be out for a 
uh, at least the first two months to just put on the 60 yeah. day IL bust sure. a broken rib, you know, coming off of multiple injuries here in the last two to three seasons. I mean, how are you valuing him going into the draft? Are you looking at him as a late round flyer to sit on your IL for a little bit? Or are you just straight skipping the conversation? I just got to skip the conversation. Okay. There's just been too much missed time. And I understand it. Like, if he falls to me like past 200, okay, right. yeah. yeah. Because it's, it's, sure. it's almost like you're gaining, you're doing an NFL draft move where you're trading down by taking the guy and getting an extra draft pick because you're going to add somebody to your roster right. the minute you put him, because he's already on the 60-day injured list. So that is something to consider. But you're talking about like counting on Chris Sale to helping your pitching staff. I think that's a massive mistake. I agree. I think at this point you can hope – but, you know, he's going to have to fall pretty far in a draft for him to be on my roster. 100%. Let's talk about the Yankees here. Again, I like I mentioned, sat out the free agent market yeah. almost completely, which is kind of, I mean, both expected and shocking at the same time. Small more, market teams, man. I know, right? Um, <laughs> the more surprising part to me is that if the Yankees are going to skip out on all of the major free agent signings, it that is sellable to fans that, okay, we're saving money so that way we can re-sign Aaron Judge. And as of this taping right now, nah, with less than 48 fun. hours until until opening day, the self-proclaimed deadline to make a to, to figure out a contract extension, we are right. sitting here without one. So it's going to be, I think, really difficult for Yankees front office to look at the fans and say, look, we sat out this entire offseason and we're not going to re-sign Aaron Judge before the season starts and we're going to make him go into free agency without him being under contract. I think that's going to be a real hard sell. I'm just uncomfortable. And we've talked about it a few times with the frugal Yankees. It's just not something that like, it doesn't feel right. Well, it doesn't, they still I, got like I, a $240 million. Well, that's the so like, thing that's too. the worst like, part in all of this. Yeah. But that's why I thought when they made the Garrett Cole signing, it was like, all right, evil empire back, baby. Right. We're about to start seeing some spending and nope. It's back to normal. To me, the key for the Yankees is Luis Severino. If Luis Severino is a legitimate number two starter behind Garrett Cole, then I think this team either wins the division or wins one of the two wildcard spots. If Luis Severino is not able to be that second starter and you're relying on Jamison Tyon to stay healthy and, you know, I love Luis Heal and I love that Davey Garcia has looked so much more improved because this was an arm I liked an yep. awful lot a couple of years ago. But counting on those guys in this division where you've got four teams that project to win at least 85 games, maybe again, 490 win teams, I think that's a big mistake. So I think Luis Severino is the difference, honestly, as hard as that is to say about one player, the difference between being in the playoffs and not in the playoffs. I don't think that's completely wrong. I, I think when you look at him from a, from a pitching side, also shouts to Jordan Montgomery, who's going to need to take that step up as well and eat the innings because that's what he's been. Um, but from an, from a pitching side, absolutely with Severino from an offensive side, obviously you're talking about judge Stanton and you know, the big guys there, but Joey Gallo is a name that people are kind of forgetting about with the, yeah, a full season in New York, the short right field porch. Look, if that batting average is 210, he's going to be just fine for your roster because of his ability to walk and his ability to hit home runs there. Um, I think he's getting drafted outside the top 180 right now, I think is where I, my last time I checked. I think he's a little bit better than that. And if the Yankees are going to get where they need to go this year, he's going to have to end up kind of running back that clock a little bit, looking like the Joey Gallo that everyone wanted at the beginning of last season 
not the one who no one particularly wanted on their roster at the end of last season. Yeah, I think Joey Gallo is a big enigma too, but I think he was much better than the numbers that he put up Agreed. there. Like completely agree. The metrics. Yes. So, so yeah, I'm still think Joey Gallo can be an absolute fantasy steal. And I think people also forget from a real life perspective, just how good of a defensive player he mm-hmm. is. I think it's silly that he gets as much hatred as he does to be completely honest. Couldn't agree more. It's old school people who live off of the batting average and don't, Look and Sal and Yonkers calling yep. in on a car phone. Oh, of course. Come on. <laughs> Dave, you mean Davey from Staten Island over there is going to be a call? Yeah, let's yeah. Yeah. And then let's talk about the Blue Jays because, boy, they're a fun team. They signed, oh. like I said, Kevin Gossman, Matt Chapman, and UC Kikuchi. Um, Vladdy Jr. still there. Boba yeah. still there. Teoscar yeah. Hernandez still there. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel still there. Like that team, real good. It real good. And yeah. again, replacing Robbie Ray with Gossman. Fine. I'm good with basically a like for like there. I mean, you trade, you essentially replace Matt Chapman with Marcus Semyon. I mean, not the same offensive power, but no, um, but a better defensive glove. And I think a guy who is ready for, he's my pick for fantasy player to target Matt Chapman. I think he is in a perfect spot to kind of make last year go away. He's on a much better roster right now. I love Matt Chapman as my, maybe not my, third base one, but like my corner infield spot, I'd have no problem with him there. Um, and then, like I said, you essentially lose um, Steven Matz, you sign Kikuchi. So I, I they've, they've done nothing but kind of hold serve in this offseason, and I think that's totally fine for them because this team was one game out of the postseason last year and I think should only be better this year. I mean, I just really look at this team and I don't see a weakness. Like, it's such a... Under they are basically the baby Dodgers to me. Like the 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 poteen Dodgers is what I look at that team right now. Poutine Dodgers. I love just, that. For the yeah, record, I absolutely love that. There's just no area like yes, there are some young players that I mean could have a couple issues. The the rotation, I guess, is the biggest question mark here. But they're so deep. And the other thing, <laughs> like that's the thing. Like, I don't know if there is a guaranteed ace on it. But there's like five number two starters or five or four number two starters and a third starter. Like it's so deep. And the other thing with them is they've shown the willingness to spend and they still have all of their farm system. Even after trading for Matt Chapman, one of the best players in baseball just a couple of years ago and still very good. Even if he's only hit 200, like the, the best defensive third baseman in baseball to be. And it's not even close. Maybe the best defensive player in baseball to be right now. There's just no weakness to this team. The only question mark I truly have is how good – like everybody in this division is so good that I could see them maybe finishing second or third. But I think you'll see from my predictions that I'm not projecting them to finish second or third. I think my only question I have with them – and again, it's when we're, we're getting to this part, we're getting nitpicky. But they're going to have a predominantly right-handed lineup. Now, yeah. I know that sometimes other people will say that means absolutely nothing. As a Yankee fan who just watched this team – try and say that essentially to my face and then go out and sign and basically do everything in their power to go get a left-handed bat because they yeah. realized they were wrong. I just wonder a little bit, do the Blue Jays, I mean, I think Kevin Biggio is basically the only player and Rymel Tapia, I guess, who you know is a bench player, but they're yeah. the only lefties on the roster really. So at some point, does that come back to, there's no switch hitters on the lineup either. So yeah, no. this is going to be a righty 
not heavy, already dominant lineup. I just wonder what that means when we start getting into more, you know, closer games against better teams, you know, all the rest of that stuff. I just, I worry a little bit about that there, but otherwise, again, we're getting nitpicky here. This is a um, really good team with a lot of it. I'm picking all of the nits off of you right yeah, now. Pick, pick is, all the nits, man. <laughs> this is, and I, I, have I love find, that. You have to find yeah, one somehow. Yeah. I, and, and the bullpen, I guess, you know, some might have question marks about, but I, I love the depth in that pen. It's a really, really good baseball team. Also, it's the bullpen. Like, if there's a, if yeah. there's a position that you can get at the trade deadline, exactly. It's like, that's and the one you get. It's funny you would talk about the, the no switch hitters. They make so much sense for a Jose Ramirez trade, man. And if they add Jose if, Ramirez, if they get Jose Ramirez, I'm one, moving to I Canada. might be a Blue Jays fan. And two, yeah. like I, yeah. I, I can't do that from a Yankee standpoint. I can't it do will it. Be, It'll kill me. It will we'll have to add a U to all of our uh spelling things. It'll be circling the bases with a U and uh yeah. all of that stuff. I love you, Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's do some predictions in the East here. Oh yeah, Baltimore is also a baseball team. Oh, Baltimore is also a team. <laughs> Adley Rushman, real good. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle, love Trey Mancini. <laughs> have a man crush on him. Sure. Other than that, oh, and Cedric Mullins, I think is legit. I'm I'm yeah. past being over him. I think Cedric sure. Mullins is legit. Um, other than that, eh, yeah, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot from a fantasy perspective, and certainly not a lot from a real life perspective. No. All right, so give me your American League East order. I, I don't want to say champion because, boy, this is I, – I went back and forth like nine times with this one. So one Baltimore – no, I'm just kidding. Uh, one <laughs> Toronto, and, boy, I keep – I've done this order in my head a bunch of times. Yeah. I'm going to go two Yankees, three Tampa Bay, four Boston. And the reason for Boston is just because of all the pitching concerns that I have. Like I just don't know what you're going to see from those guys. But I think all three – one a team is going to be – super upset that they're in this division because they're going to miss out on the playoffs because of it. Um, and I think that team is going to be the Red Sox. Look, would it, if you told me at the end of the season that it would, that four teams from the American league East make the world, the wild card, or I mean, make the postseason. I, I can believe that. I think the problem is that they're going to beat up on each other so much that it's going to be difficult to come. And isn't to, it impossible? Like, because there's only six playoff teams, right? So well, six playoff teams, three division winners, three wild cards. Next three oh, best records. Oh yeah! Wow. I, okay. We're all yeah. keeping up on this. It's a new. It's a new season. It's a new postseason. We're all Every, everybody. Out. Everybody in the AL East, but Baltimore is making. Everybody it. in the American I'm, League East, but Baltimore. I have the Jays down. winning the East as well. I love that pitching staff. I like the. I like the offense. I, there's not much I don't like about that team. Also, should be noted, this is they're actually going to play their entire year in Toronto rather than yeah. three different parks like last year. I think that's sure. going to help quite a bit. Um, then give me the Yankees behind them. Give me the Rays behind them and the Red Sox at fourth. I'm with you. The Red Sox pitching staff gets me nervous. I think the Rays are good. I think they're just as good as last year, but I think everyone's got a little bit better. Um, and the Yankees just, I, I think the Yankees, we are looking at that team in a disappointment lens just because they didn't do a whole lot in the off season, but that team is real good and real deep and it has been built over the last few years. I think there's still plenty there to not only be competitive in this division, but also make the wild card maybe as the, the fourth best team, the number one wild card out there. Um, so yeah, give me that blue Jays, Yankees, Rays, Red Sox, and Orioles just kind of so, having a, having a blast. So we have the same order for everything. Do we have the same order for every yeah, one of them? That's oh, I hate boring. That. That's I despise so boring. that. 
Yeah, Ugh. I'm I'm changing the race to second just because of it. Deal. I'll I'm go race two and then uh, Yankees three. Honestly, again, I had the Yankees yeah. at one. I had the Yankees at four. <laughs> I had the Rays at one. I had the Rays at four. I have it's, switched this back like nine times. So over. interchangeable. This is Such going to be the best division team. in baseball, and I cannot wait to watch it. Me too. Me too. All right, so give me a player to target and a player to avoid from the East before we uh, end up the show. Okay, so Josh Lowe, like I said, is the player to target just because of the fact that he's going to be going super late in drafts, and I think he has a chance to be a 15-15 type player with an average that won't crush you. And then Brandon Lau is the player that I'm kind of avoiding here, and it's not so much anything wrong with him per se. It's just like if you're expecting him to hit 39 homers again, I think you're making – a huge mistake. And I would expect maybe a certain similar average to that 247. So more of a guy that I'd be wanting to take in the top 100 more than a guy who's going, I think on average right around 75. I think that's totally fair. Like I said before, I'm with Matt Chapman on mine. I think Matt yeah. Chapman is just prepared. Like you said, one of the best players in baseball, like two seasons ago had a came off of an injury last year, never really got going. But if there's personality wise. And again, we don't talk about personality a whole bunch, but Matt Chapman in this offseason said, er, said and did literally everything. He's like, I'm getting back to that, to the top of that game. And yeah. I believe in, I believe in him. So sure. give me Matt Chapman on that front um, player to avoid. Oh boy. I, I mean, there are a couple here that I avoid, uh, avoid Corey Kluber. I'm, I watched him enough last year for me to say, no, thank you. Um, there are a couple others. Who else did I have here? Bah, bah, bah. Um, Yankee fans out there, uh, I'm skipping Isaiah kind of Falefa in every yeah. single category. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Sure. Um, and then Blue Jays wise, like, look, I don't know if there's a Blue Jays catcher that I like enough this year for me to grab onto my roster just because sure. there's like three of them. Yeah. And I don't know which one's going to take all of the spots. Like that DH spot is going to be valuable for getting guys like Vladdy Jr. and others in that spot. I don't know if they're going to be able to move two to three catchers on a regular lineup. I'm just avoiding the catcher spot in perpetuity when it comes to Toronto. I think there's just too much variable there, not for uh, for such a thin position as well. I'm not wasting a spot on it. Totally makes sense. So let's close with our award predictions and then who we think is going to win the World Series. Does that sound good? Absolutely. Well, let's do the award predictions, and then we're going to hold off our World Series till tomorrow when we do a National League. Well, I'm I'm just going to tell you. Or you, you can right pick now. your American League title. You yeah, can, my you American get, League title. Yes, you can pick that. your American League pennant. Yes, absolutely. So, so okay. So AL MVP, I've got Luis Robert. I really think that he has that superstar potential, and I think he's going to do everything for a team that is almost assuredly going to win their division. I just told you that I don't think Toronto has an ace, and I'm predicting Jose Barrios to win the AL Cy Young. I think that breakout year is coming, and it's a little fun. There's there's some more obvious picks, I think, but I think Jose Barrios. Could see him winning 20 to 22 games, which will also help. AL Rookie of the Year, it's loaded. There's about four guys that I'd like to pick. And if you look on the betting odds, there are four guys that are six to one or fewer. That is crazy low. Like, yeah. usually there's one favorite and there's like a bunch of 15 to ones or 21s. No, there are four guys all with a chance to win this award to begin the year. But I'm just going Bobby Wood Jr. just because he can do everything on the field. And my AL champion. Big surprise, the Baltimore or Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> I, I almost thought for a second you were being real there. Just I mean, not real, but like that was really making a mistake. Um, for rookie of the year, I'm going Julio Rodriguez here. Uh, I just I just absolutely loved what I saw from him this year. And like you said, this is yeah. the deepest rookie class from it's day crazy. one that we have seen in 10 years. Look, 
Ega, I, I don't want to completely say egg on my face, but like I got to tip my caps a little bit to any front office that this is a lot of people that we did not expect sure. to start in day one. Yep. You got to give, uh, give kudos where they're due. Um, mm-hmm. So give me Julio Rodriguez there. Um, Cy Young, I, I, I think there are quite a few that could be out there, but Garrett Cole is going to be asked to do so much. I think yeah. Garrett Cole is just simply the class of the American league right now when it comes to pitching it, didn't get it last year. Did get like he gets his first one in pinstripes this year. Um, give me him for Cy Young MVP. I think voters. All right. So here's my thought process here. Otani and Trout split the vote a little bit enough to give Vladdy Jr. the win. Nice. I think uh, I think voters out there felt bad not voting Vladdy Jr. at all. Oh. I think he was. I mean, it was unanimous. I think for Shohei, but yeah. Vladdy Jr. in literally any other year wins the MVP. I think yeah. voters. Uh, if he's close, I think voters give him enough of a bump. Vladdy Jr. wins the MVP this year. And my uh, AL pennant, boy, I've gone back and forth like three, four times with this. I think it's between three teams. But, you know, I'm going to go with the White Sox here. I think the White Sox are ready to go. If Lansling, so long as Lansling's injury is not lingering, he gets back yeah. to being what Lansling is, which, again, is a question mark. Um, they have the easiest route to the playoffs. They have the easiest route to a first round buy in the playoffs just by being in the American league central. I think that's enough that that skips in one round. I think that's enough to get them there. Luis, Luis Robert gets, I mean, is going to be a top five MVP. Eloy Jimenez is going to be in the top 12 or 15 of MVP. I think he's going to be a monster this year. Give me white Sox to win the American league. I I think that's a very good pick just because, one of the reasons why I think the White Sox are a good pick is they just have the clearest path to the postseason. Yeah, that's and exactly once you're it. in, once you are in, anything can happen. But uh, maybe I'll get you to love the Toronto Blue Jays like I do someday. I, I don't know why you hate them. It um, makes me wonder if you have some issues with the people. Oh, the Toronto North. Blue Jays beat me up as a kid. Like, they beat <laughs> yeah. me up as a kid, and I haven't gotten past Gosh, it yet. They what were these days? so good, man. Like, I was just watching highlights of like the 92 93 team. Like they were like that looked like it was like a dynasty, and then uh, the next twenty five years happened. Yeah, and then you know, the, the, <laughs> yeah, then two decades occurred. <laughs> yeah, but that just about finishes up our show for today. If you're feeling our vibe over here at Circling the Bases, make sure you are subscribed wherever you listen to your podcasts, so you don't miss an episode. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to rate and review us. I hear a five star review for the show guarantees your team a win on opening day, so go do mm. it now. And while you're at it, be sure to follow NBC Sports Edge on YouTube and Twitch to be informed of all of our live shows so you can join in on the action. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Don't Lie. And you can follow Chris at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. Be sure to tune back in tomorrow for the thrilling conclusion to our two-part opening day pod as we cover the National League and name our World Series champs. So make sure you don't miss it. So until then, stay safe out there. And as always, thanks for listening. Will I predict Dom Smith to win NL MVP? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.